Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Make Comics Podcast. I will be your host today, Andy Schmidt, and joining me is Fred Van Lente, writer extraordinaire. Fred, how are you this evening? Tired but happy, Andy. Well, that's about as good as it gets these days, isn't it? True. No complaints here. So uh, we're talking about silencers because uh this was an instrumental project for you on this show we're usually talking about craft on some level but it's also helpful to talk about career and kind of how things launched silencers was right. a project that you did with steve ellis artist steve ellis extraordinaire um some time ago so uh but it's sort of the thing that launched both of your careers is that is that inaccurate to say it, it definitely launched my career. Steve already had a career in comics. And I think in many ways, the silence was actually probably like the midpoint or towards the end of his mainstream comics career. Uh, Steve and I met in the 90s at Syracuse, where we were both members of Comics Plus, the Syracuse University's student fee funded comic book club. And like he was the first person I wrote for because we all did this everyone in the club did a comic every year and he was in the illustration department as were a bunch of people including uh ryan dunlavey um who of course i do action philosophers and action presidents with yeah. uh donato giancola who's a very famous and science and science fiction and fantasy painter who actually lives around the corner from me my wife just ran into him on the street last week uh <laughs> that's cool so, so uh so yeah all those folks those are probably the, the most famous people in our field who who were in that those years of of comics plus uh steve and i really hit it off we both like a lot of the same things uh he he wrote my first ever like drawn comic story which was called rectal voyage which sort of shows you my maturity level uh and yeah. as a sophomore in college it was uh it was a, it was a fantastic voyage except that they were injected into ronald reagan's asshole to zap his colon cancer with their lasers and it was it was sort of like a mad magazine-esque kind of parody um and this is what this made you think like, comics is what i need to do right right yeah no the immediacy with which those folks you know brought bought sort of brought my ideas to life got really got me really excited and steve and i started building this this science fiction series called tranquility that 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 is the first thing we really did together in the mid 90s and we brought it out in like 1996 97 borrowed some money from our uh families that we never paid back because the book bombed but uh but sort of what what sort of led to that was and we moved in together uh in brooklyn to start kind of break into the industry but uh i was trying to break in the industry uh, steve was already in the industry in fact he started drawing iron man when he was still an undergrad at syracuse like before like you know he went from one year from doing rectal voyage to doing like spider woman, you know, like that was kind of his, like he, he, he hit, he, he, I don't know if he hit big, but he definitely like, um, you know, he, he got work in the early nineties almost immediately. Well, um, he, uh, he is appearing. I think he's right here. Wait, does, were his ears burning? Did that summon him to the podcast? Is that what Apparently. happened? I was praising your uh, your mid early '90s superhero work, Steve. Oh, praising it! Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, 
Andy was asking if silencers, if it was inaccurate to say that silencers launched our careers. And I said, no, because you already had a career. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike me. Not, uh, not the, uh, what do you call it? The, the biggest, uh, not, the, not the, what do you call it? Um, the most glorious career. I killed a bunch of companies. Like I worked for Malibu and uh, whatever. What other companies? Well, Marvel and DC and Malibu and Valiant. Valiant. But you worked so for Marvel and then it immediately, it immediately went into bankruptcy right after you started working there, right? Pretty much, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I mean. So you are, you're the real life. I, I was there, like. and Fred, you might remember this story. I was there the, the day that Tom DeFalco got up and told people at Marvel that they were going to have to do cuts. And I later went to that Christmas party that they had where it was a little awkward because there were people there who had been fired. That must have been a good time. Yeah, it was. That's uh, fun. And this would have been yeah. what, like 97? Probably. I don't remember. It's back in the dark ages. I don't know. 97, <laughs> we were... 97 was when I was an intern there. I was an intern just for the summer. And mm. there was a day where, where uh, they came down and they told everybody in editorial to go home early because the 12th floor was cleaning out their desks and going home. and never returned. I, I, I remember, remember the exact wording of this, but I, I want to say it was like November or early December. I know it was right before the holidays. It was it was before I was there because Bob Harris was the EIC when I was there. Tom. Was oh there yeah, no, this was this again. was this was definitely Tom DeFalco. And it occurred to me that that it must have been earlier than '97 because I I remember I got the and I'm sure you you did too, Steve. You we got the uh, the bankruptcy notice or the legal papers the bankruptcy because we were both Marvel freelancers at that point, and we got that when you and I were living together. Uh, in Prospect Park West in Park Slope, Brooklyn, in like so that must have been like '96 or something. I guess, yeah. You were and on the wanted... Marvel. Uh, I yes, because of the silencers. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, yeah, it just came all the way back around here. I was going to make a joke about Park Slope being part of Staten Island now, which is a deep cut politics joke. If anybody's listening, um, wait, wait, but wait. Uh, Park Slope. Deep politics. It, what's going I on? I think that's a gerrymandering joke. It is yeah, a gerrymandering no, joke. Yeah. I imagine it is. I was just. I'm curious. I was just curious what that meant. Anyway, sorry. Yes, Staten Island now reaches reaches across the water and, and is pulled in <laughs> part of Park Slope. Yeah, I think the I think the courts uh, yeah. flew through that. I think the court just today threw that map out. Oh, did they? Okay. Well, let, yeah. All right. Well, the anyway. Democrats, Steve, are trying to dilute Staten Island's power by miraculously making. Park Slope, Brooklyn, part of Staten Island in terms of the districting, right? So you dilute yeah. all those Republican votes. You really try to do that? I mean, you know, I it's wow. what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It well, I know, I know. It it's works in Texas, so... so I'm not really going to complain about it too much. But... but it's just really freaking blatant, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's pretty blatant, um, yeah. But let's talk about the comic stuff, because we're talking about okay. silence, silencers, which, um, which, uh, which CEX Publishing is is bringing back it's been out of print for a while and we're doing the uh the definitive edition that's so right. we've got all... we got this material that's never been seen before that's in, that's in this version of the book and we're very excited uh, i was reviewing the interior proofs today and it looks excellent it still Sweet. reads well after all these years um but this book was i mean it's about uh, it's not about superheroes it's about super villains 
which is fun and one of the reasons why I was interested in it from a publishing standpoint. Um, but can you, can you tell us a little bit about like, I mean, it's in that superhero genre. Was that a sort of a, a strategic decision or was it just something you were both in, into? Um, well, Steve, was that like, hey, I'm trying to break in. So I want to do something like what they do, but different. Like, you were doing like, Steve, you're doing like hardcore. What, what, what? No, not hardcore. That's a valiant thing. Uh, hard valiant. case, right? What was yeah, hard the, case or something. Yeah, I don't know. And prototype had, and stuff like and, that. And, and you had caught in wind. They were looking for backup stories in the Malibu books. And you very, yeah. I, as I recall, you very generously asked me if you, since we were doing Tranquility already. But weren't we already working on, on the silencers before that? Oh, we were. I don't my, think so. I think my, I think the because I remember I was living in Pittsburgh and going to English Lit Graduate School and being miserable. Uh, okay, and, that sounds and, the, the yeah. The main I mean, impetus, Pittsburgh's beautiful, but the the main impetus I remember being well, well part of it was, you know, you, you said super villains, which I think is interesting because that's not to correct you, but it's not technically what these guys are. Because a supervillain is a guy who goes after the superheroes and tries to get, you know, wears a fancy costume and tries to get everyone to know they're doing what they're doing. The, right. the difference is super criminals are guys who do their best not to get noticed and commit the crimes when no one's looking, right? So while I, I know that uh, that seems uh, like a hair split, but that was one of the things actually that kind of prompted our original, like, kind of take on the on the characters was like you know if you know if you look at like you know how the mob works the mob doesn't you know if they're gonna you know in in historically if they're gonna take someone out or if they're gonna you know knock off a a, a truck that's moving stuff they don't want the cops there they don't want to have to fight the cops they don't want to have to deal with the cops if they can avoid it unless they're paying the cops off so i imagine the silencers would be you know we were talking and the silencers would be paying paying superheroes off, avoiding superheroes, making sure they could figure out when and where the superheroes were so that they could maneuver around them. And basically taking advantage of the fact that they yeah. exist as part of the structure. Right, right Fred? I mean, yeah, and I, I, is, if I remember correctly, and who knows if I am, is that there were your editor at Malibu or the editor-in-chief of Malibu, who I want to say was Hank Kalance at the time, was complaining that Malibu had so few um, villains. And for those of you kids listening who don't know what I'm talking about, Malibu was a superhero <laughs> company from the yeah. early 90s that spun out of Image Comics in a way that is way too complicated for me to attempt to explain in this podcast. But they were bought by Marvel uh, right before this happened, before Steve and I were kind of talking to them about doing the silencers, if well, I remember correctly. Right as this was, yeah, in, at the same, yeah, the exact same time. Because Malibu uh, pioneered this field called computer coloring. Oh my God, it's magic! You don't need, you know, watercolors to color comics anymore. You can do it on computers. And so Marvel bought them for their color computing prowess. And I guess in the early '90s, you know, it maybe was impractical to have people at home coloring comics like personal computers, who had which had that kind of power to to deal with that level of graphics maybe weren't you know yeah i don't know it was cost prohibitive i don't remember all i remember is being poor in the mid 90s <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, i could have done that from a from a career building standpoint that really is step one it helps 
if you want to get into comics to be poor because if you're not poor then the idea of getting into comics is just Never not something that would interest you yeah <laughs> it's a step down yeah right, it's well, a, like, a step in the wrong direction well yeah you know it's like the old uh it's sort of the opposite of the old like baseball you know saying of hit it where they ain't you know like like we caught wind like well we want to do something with villains and so steve and i like aha we will create a series that is nothing that is there's nothing but quote unquote villains or as steve brightly yeah. points out criminals and you know right. reservoir dogs had just come out and the original yeah. structure this original stylus story and to a certain extent those first couple issues it's it's similar it's a similar concept where there's a group of criminals they're convinced one of them is a traitor and they all gather in the same place and kind of have it out but the original silence story i think was much more just that that what yeah there's a lot more there's a lot more to yeah and i like the the very last part of it ends up being that yeah right but i think steve you hit on something i think was really is really unique about silencers because um and i you know i'm glad you i'm glad you corrected me and by all means feel free uh whenever i need correcting but um but one of the things I like about silencers is that it is not them just fighting superheroes, right? Like, it's not just like, it's the same story just told from a different perspective. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And that could be a, a really good story too, but, but it is um, that difference between super villain and super criminal is, is important. And I think that's why the story, cause I had not read, I didn't read this when it came out. I didn't, and, and I had not read it before until Fred and I started talking and then you came on. And uh, that's what I really like about it. And that's why I think it still works so well today is because uh, because of that difference. I could I don't know that I would have put my finger on that before, but you pointed it out very nicely. So well done. But I do think it stands out for that reason because this type of story is not really, it's still not really done um, in comics. And right. so it's viable and it still feels fresh, even though it's, fairly old yeah, I, mean, I mean it's not old it, but it's but it's even though it's been published before yeah and, and a lot of the things that like i think really made made the book really special to to me at least and and maybe to fred as well is that when when we were when we were coming up with the characters who would make up the team all the characters were meant to be kind of like characters who would have been in another book but have been lost so like Stiletto, probably her backstory probably would have been an X-Man if she'd been found by the X-Men, but instead- Or by Magneto. Or, yeah, been, or by Magneto, right. Instead, she ended up on the streets found by a criminal organization and ended up getting pulled into crime. Um, right. And that, and you know, Hair Trigger would be the perfect, you know, high school enemy for Spider-Man, right? <laughs> I was always thinking Daredevil. What I like about Hair Trigger- or Daredevil, yeah, yeah. What I, what I like about Hair Trigger is that is that that's who Bullseye actually is. Like in Hair Trigger's mind, he thinks he's Bullseye, but really he's just this insufferable kind of hyperactive maniac. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in his head, he thinks he's like hitting cool. targets every time. And I'm just the, you know, everything in my head right. is a deadly weapon, you know, <laughs> which is true, which is all, which is totally true. But, but being around him, he, you know, doesn't use deodorant. He's got, you know, right. he's just got a lot of problems. Yeah. Who's who's the guy in the zoot suit? Because I just wanted to point out there's a there's a demonic looking guy in a zoot suit, which is amazing. Yes, Pyre. Who, he wears a cursed Pyre, zoot suit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that was a guy who had flame powers. I don't remember where some of these. Okay. I was. Like I did a lot of like. 
when I was in the in the 90s I was this this sounds weird coming out of my mouth I was really into voodoo in the 90s Andy yeah. <laughs> I was sort of interested in it and uh, in fact my first book was from 1997 not long after not long after we were doing this it was the New Orleans guidebook of this poor role-playing game called Cthulhu uh so I don't know I just like Chango who's the fire Orisha of Santeria, yeah. which is sorry, the Santa, the uh, the Dominican Republic version of Voodoo, which is the other side of the island from Haiti. That, that was overly explained, but you asked. I did. I did. That's and where the ideas came from. <laughs> I don't think I don't think there could have been a better answer to that. Well, and, and, and Cardinal, of course, Cardinal, who's the cool, who is genuinely cool, is a Batman villain. Right. He he's he's the mastermind well, criminal. And, yeah. and you right. have like allusions to like these guys are in like a shared superhero universe so like right. we never really see a yeah. batman or a superman or a spider-man but like like you feel like the, like one of them is like right around like just went around the corner that we just yeah you see sort of yeah like clearly they live in like that that brief period in uh the walt simonson teen titans meets the x-men comic where there's no which i just reread recently which is great because there's no like like interdimensional shenanigans it's just they just take it for granted that dark side and dark phoenix and the x-men and the and the all they're all in the same universe like the teen titans are in new york yeah. and the x-men are in new york so they're like screw it like we don't need an explanation they just go the teen titans just go to the x-men's house <laughs> so it's the same sort of thing like the marvel and dc universes just kind of merge together and the silencers live there too yeah and since we don't like you know have to show any of them we can just kind of allude to their presence um, and in a way, like they kind of create a almost a big brother like presence for the silencers, you know, like right. that idea that there's 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 danger for the silencers around the corner around any corner because there are there is this presence of these superheroes who will, you know, make their lives miserable, you know. I forgot that there's that panel. There's a great panel you did in the first issue of like when that that it was Captain America who sent silence cardinal to prison and he it's just his glove crushed yeah. he crushed cardinal's <laughs> yeah. nose i was like that shot did uh, a lot of little so, touches like that yeah so fun. i mean the book is is really fun it's really good um so if you're listening to this it is available to order please tell your your comic shop to order it you can order it from diamond or lunar so whichever your shop prefers um pre-ordering always helps folks pre-ordering really really helps um, but, uh, but, uh, so I got to get that plug in there, but also uh, because this is a podcast about sort of, you know, the career and, and, in comics, one of the things that I get asked this question a lot is like, Hey, I did a thing. How do I use that to get a gig or how do I use that to promote myself? Did you find that silencers or was it other work that you had done? How do you kind of get something that, Hey, this this hit, there were people that are fans of this and some of them might be in the industry or people in the industry would like it. How did you go about getting it into people's hands or did that just magically happen for you? Well, I'm going to say this. The business back then was a lot, a lot different than it is now. Uh, you could you could walk up to an editor at a, at a convention and hand them stuff and they would actually take it and walk away with it and look at it. So, uh, so that, that's a major, major difference. But I mean, um that's a paradigm shift yeah yeah oh huge huge i mean i remember i, I we were we were there as the shift happened you know I, I was there you know watching the shift happen um but yeah no so like 
So that's really different. I mean, I think there was also this thing called Wizard Magazine. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that time, didn't hurt. Yeah. Which gave um, us this. They did a they did a review of an indie comic every uh, month, and they gave us just a glowing, glowing review of Silencers Number One. You know, and and even though I don't think it really improved our circulation all that much, because uh, I don't think reviews least particularly back in those days didn't really do much for you unless you know i don't think by itself the reviews don't do a whole lot but i think that did help persuade mark padicha who i think was in tokyo pop when you handed him the the silence the copy of the silences i think that is maybe what inspired him to read it as opposed to just some other random comic that an artist gave him maybe and that's the thing is that like a lot of the comics that you do, I think small, smaller, you know, you publish it yourself. You've got a calling card in a way um, as you know, it's, it's a business card. It's a comic book. It, you know, if you actually can get someone to look at it um, I think that worked for a while. I mean, I think now, you know, there's, there's the ability to put things out through uh, you know, through webtoons that is getting people's eye. Uh, a lot, you know, um, putting things out in ways that, you know, where where it, it's really trying to figure out, I think, where the eye, eyes of the editors are. And uh, lately, I've noticed a lot of webtoons things getting, you know, picked up. So probably, at least for the moment, webtoons is a place where editors are looking, you know. Um, right. And but that may not that may not last for you know that already could be old news. At this point, where they got inundated by people from webtoons, I feel like the editors tend to move away from the way that it worked the last time. For you know, for you, the last time you, you got it to work. Meaning, like, if if I remember someone saying this years ago, it's like once a door is open, you better sneak in because it's going to shut right right after you've gone through it. Um, right. So you know, like the the. You know, it's it's a little bit of luck. It's a little bit of, uh, but but I mean, I think one of the things that you know, I saw this as a post on um, on Facebook earlier today, and it was funny. Something that Jimmy Palmiotti said many many years ago is the uh, comics is a uh, is a long game. You know, it's it's you you keep doing it and 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 you keep doing it. And people try to ignore you, and then eventually they can't ignore you anymore because you've just been there all all along without them even realizing you were there and then they discover you and you're a 10 you're you're a 10 year brand new you know hit um yeah yeah you've been there for and, 10 years but now all of a sudden you're an overnight success that, right that's yeah it. exactly thank you i couldn't think of the word but it, it, it's all and it's also like things like you half the time you don't even know when people have noticed stuff that you've done like i was thinking i've met people who said oh i read the silencers after i'd worked with them already and then they revealed, oh, that's how I found your work or whatever. So I think even without, uh, even without knowing it, sometimes projects become, uh, you know, your, your, the, I think it's the important thing of making the stuff as opposed to trying to make the stuff. If you make it and you get it out there, I'm going to sound like Kevin Costner. If you make it, they will come. But literally, like, if you don't make it, if you just talk about it, if you just kind of, say, oh yeah, I'm going to write a comic or I'm going to do whatever. 
then then you've you've nothing to show. Usually, I think that all the times I've ever gotten jobs or had work is when I had plans to work on something of my own. And then almost immediately I say, I'm going to work on this project. And almost immediately other people say, well, I can pay you to do this or I can pay you to do that. So I think, I mean, Fred, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's happened to you, but the, the, I think that's a lot of what the, the thing is, it's, it's just not giving up on the projects that you're making until someone pays you to work on another project. Right. Right. <laughs> You know that that seems like the best the best course of action is is keep your head down and keep doing it um because you know it, it's amazing how when i first got into the comic book business many many years ago they said the work that i was doing was way too cartoony and then a year or two later joe madurera is doing stuff all over the x-men and i was like you know what you know you don't know where they're going to be shooting where they're going to be looking what they're going to be looking for this week or next week you know like for a while there it seemed like everybody was doing uh, a frank quietly kind of uh riff um and that's what everyone was seemed to be looking for i don't know if they're still looking for that now but you know there it seems like it goes in waves as to what what the editors are looking for so i think the thing is that if you stick to your guns and you keep doing what you're doing it eventually comes back to your turn, <laughs> you know, and then you get some projects. And then once you get a couple, a couple starts to build into, you know, a bunch and then a bunch builds into a lot, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a really good point about making it and keep making it, right? I mean, there is, there is something to getting it out there, making sure you're promoting it and that sort of thing. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's interesting because I'll do these panels at conventions and I'll be in front of a bunch of people who want to write comics and I'll ask people, I'll ask them for a show of hands, like who, who writes every week, every week, not even every day. I'll ask who writes every week and most of the hands don't go up. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to write comics, you know, or if you want to draw comics, you need to actually do the thing. You need to practice. Yeah. Like it's a lot of, I mean, you discover a lot by doing a lot of the work and there's no, there's no real shortcut to getting good at something like you just have to work at there are ways to not get good at things um like it does help if you're not just a, you know, there's a there's a thing that i've seen before you know it's you know it applies to writers and artists both where it's like hey you've written your first comic 30 times or you've drawn your first comic book page 30 times because you're not really learning you're not doing the analysis part you're not right you know, getting it out there and finding out what worked and what didn't, and then learning from that and refine. You got to be growing your skills. You're just kind of doing the same thing over and over, and being like, "Why is it not going anywhere?" But you're doing the same thing. Um, you know that that tends to be why that why that happens. Yeah, but, I I think the one thing that people need to think about, and that's something that I I should have been told in my twenties, but I don't think I would have listened to even if they had told me that. So probably wouldn't have helped very much. Is that you just need to finish things. I had a tendency when I was struggling, and I think this is partly just oh, yeah. struggling and thinking like, okay maybe this is the thing that'll launch me. This is the thing that'll launch me. So, you know, you drop one thing and you move to the other thing that seems like it's it's the shinier object, you know? And it's just important to finish things and because that's only we know what you have, you know? And I think that redrawing the same page or in my case, writing this first issue of the same comic over and over again is is sort of a stalling tactic and sort of a procrastination tactic when really- And a fear tactic. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you just need to give yourself- tactic, but result of fear 
it's well there's that there's that mistake that's there's that mistaken thing that you won't be successful if you're not perfect when no one's perfect right you know but then also there's that also mistake of like just you know you talk about like that you reminded me of um it was actually the silencers uh when we were was i don't know if it was the original series or if it was when we were doing the second series uh i went over the the first couple of pages like five times and i read sounds like you yeah and i redrew them and redrew them and redrew them and redrew them and i think what i learned from that was from someone else actually told me i forget who it was who told me uh someone with much more wisdom and knowledge than i had or have uh said just draw the whole book and then when you're done go back to the first five pages and redraw them and then you know hopefully they're not lettered by that point but but what i what i learned from that was the idea that the book is going to get better as you go because you're going to get stronger. Your skills are just going to get better as you go. So by the time you're at page 25, if you go back, you know, or 24 or whatever, if you go back to the beginning, you can kind of start at that place where you've had the ball rolling and you're at your, 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 at your stride. You can go back and like rework or recreate the first two or three pages and then maybe your crummiest page isn't the first page. It's like the fifth page in, you know? Um, and I, I forget who told me that, but it was a, it actually helped me a lot through that very issue with the silencers. It was like, oh my God, how am I going to get through this if I can't even get past the first couple of pages? And I was like, well, okay, just right. dump. Um, and so for a while there, I was doing scripts where I would draw a script for a company and I would start with page five. And then I would draw the first few pages at the end. So that like the splash page was the last page I was drawing. You know the classic mm -hmm. Marvel splash page, right? Right. It, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, that's that's really smart. I hadn't I hadn't heard that advice before either. But that's uh, yeah. yeah I don't remember who told me. Um, I got a lot of really good advice from a lot of older pros when I was in the business early on. <laughs> I was very lucky. Well, guys, uh, this show isn't normally all that long, so we should probably start wrapping it up. I want to thank you both for. Um, for coming on the show. I know we had a little trouble scheduling and I, I ghosted you guys once. So I want to publicly apologize <laughs> on the podcast for doing that. But um, we nearly sent but, the silencers after you. <laughs> yeah, you the, book, the book is really, really good. And I'm glad that I discovered it um, several years later. And the hardcover that we've got coming out through CX Publishing is, again, it's the definitive collection. So it is everything. It is everything that there is uh, silencers related. So you won't be missing out on anything. Um, and there's the never before seen unpublished issue that we have some art in the full script for, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. So there is, there is bold new content. It's got a really nice uh, forward from Kyle Higgins of Radio yes. Black fame and Nightwing and mm -hmm. all those things. Yeah. It's a really, really nice book. And I think this edition of it is also going to be very, very nice. Um, and uh, I'm really happy that you guys were, were willing to, to, to bring it over here and uh yeah and thanks for asking for us yeah, thanks for yeah thanks for working with us on it yeah for sure all right guys i think that wraps up our episode um so yeah keep making comics